welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast where all things entertainment crossover with all things pop culture with topics including sports, movies, TV, music, video games, all things fair game on this podcast to talk about anything crossing over with pop culture. Today on this podcast, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time that is celebrating its 25th anniversary this week. I'm talking about Twister, and I'm going to go over some facts and some notes on this movie, share my memories of this movie, and uh, just have some fun talking about one of my favorite movies of all time. This week is the 25th anniversary of the movie Twister being released in theaters. One of my favorite movies of all time. I try to figure out where to rank it on my all-time list. Of course, I've got Back to the Future ranked as number one favorite movie of all time. And I don't split those movies up because it gets confusing there. Because I just count Back to the Future is a trilogy. So it's like all three movies I love. All three movies are my favorite movies ever. So I just count the Back to the Future trilogy as number one favorite movie of all time. Twister, I believe I could argue as my second favorite movie of all time. And it's just a movie that I have loved from the very beginning. Every time it's on, I will stop and watch it. So a lot of times I'll factor that in where it's like, how much is my rewatch with something on where it needs to rank higher, you know? And for the longest time, I think I've had Twister as probably my number two favorite movie of all time. And this week, the 25th anniversary, and I just thought I'd take some time just to talk and share some memories and go over some of the things with this movie, how it was shot, a lot of the details of it, the cast, just a lot of the fun things that went on with this movie. So it was released on May 10th, 1996. It opened to $41 million box office, making it the number one box office of the week for that movie. It earned a total of $241.7 million. Second highest gross grossing film of 1996, which was the only behind Independence Day, which is ironically about to celebrate its 25th anniversary as well. Maybe I'll do something with that as we get further along down the line, because I love that movie as well. So those two movies there were really... When I think of movies from 1996, I really think of Twister and Independence Day. Those are the two that come to my mind first. So at the time of of 1996, it was 10th highest grossing film of all time. The movie was shot in the summer of 1995 in various locations there in Oklahoma. The director was Jan DeBont, who was coming off of directing Speed, which of course was a huge hit there. So these are two big blockbuster movies that he was the director of. As far as when, like when I saw it, I know I didn't see it in theaters. I'm really fuzzy on my first viewing of it. I know that I watched it on VHS, but I don't remember if I actually rented it first or if I just went ahead and bought it. Like, I'm going to like this movie. 
go ahead and buy it. It's very possible that I would have done that because it's something that I would do at that time where I just go ahead and buy a movie or whatever, you know, if it's something I thought I was going to really enjoy. So I know the first time I saw it on VHS and I just loved it immediately. Just awesome. And it was also one of those movies I had surround sound set up at the time and with my stereo and I just loved it and it was one of those movies that just I would crank up on the surround sound and just sounded so good you know and just just amazing that's one of those things one of those movies where yeah I'm sure I was not the only one <laughs> with that so let's jump into like the characters let's jump in here we had Bill Paxton who played Bill Harding the extreme he was a storm chaser turned weather reporter. He was known as someone who could sense the weather. He could sense tornadoes. No fear. You know, when you see in this movie, he had one of the things that the stories that they tell a lot of him is just some of his stories of just having no fear of these tornadoes. And that's where he got the nickname of the extreme. But he could have, he had this sense to where he could sense the weather and sense where these things were going to form and everything. So Paxton, in one of the documentaries that was done, he described his character as a gunfighter that left the gunfight. And of course, we know that Bill was together with Joe. They were married. And of course, Joe Thornton, she was played by Helen Hunt. The background story of her character, and of course, I'm going to reveal here, it's like if you have not seen this movie you need to quit listening if you're wanting, if you don't want spoilers, because I'm going to go in depth on spoilers on this movie. So I'm going to warn you there with spoiler alerts. Um, the background story of her character is that when she was a little girl, she was caught up in a tornado with her parents. Her dad got caught up in the tornado, which killed him. So Joe is described as being in it as a scientist, but it's also personal for her because of what happened to her dad and how that affected her family when she was when she was little. She is also obsessed with it, and Bill sees that even more, that she's even more obsessed with with this mission of hers and with tornadoes than she was from when he left. So Philip Seymour Hoffman, he plays Dusty. He's the fun and energy of the team. He's got so much great fun moments in this movie. He's Philip Seymour Hoffman is just awesome in this movie. And, you know, we get like that sense of what this character is going to be like right from the get-go. You know, when Bill shows up and he brings his fiance Melissa with him and he basically sends Melissa off with Dusty and he says, Dusty explain to Melissa why you are the way you are. And he's like, sweet, okay, I could do that. But he's so great in this role. And speaking of Melissa, that gets us to Jamie Gertz, who played Melissa. She is Bill's new fiancé here. So Bill's fiancé, Melissa, is about to be thrown into one of the most traumatizing stories of dealing with exes of all time. <laughs> she is about to be thrown into the chaos. There's all kinds of relationship stories to where you have crazy things with exes and everything. This is this is going to be one of the most traumatizing ones probably for any character ever of what she gets thrown into here. 
We have Alan Ruck, which of course you probably know from Ferris Bueller fame. It's awesome on that. He plays Rabbit. Rabbit is the one that handles all the maps, and you'll of course know the line, Rabbit is good, Rabbit is wise. Sean Whalen plays Alan. He is Rabbit's assistant. Todd Field, Beltzer, who is the radar operator. Wendell Josepher, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. I apologize if I'm not. Plays Haynes, Beltzer's assistant. Jeremy Davies, who you may also know from Lost, plays Brian, who is the photographer. Joey Slotnick plays the tech advisor. Uh, plays Joey, the tech advisor. Scott Thompson plays the preacher. Lois Smith plays Aunt Meg. She's so good in this movie. I couldn't imagine anybody else playing the role of Aunt Meg. She's so great in this. Carrie Ells plays Jonas, the rival storm chaser, the villain of this here movie. And of course, I was introduced to Carrie Ells with The Crush. That was the first time I'd ever seen him in a role. So he's does an awesome job in this role as Jonas because he's so unlikable. This character is so unlikable. Uh, Zach Grognier, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And that is Jonas's driver who tends to he kind of has the goodness in him you know to where you see there's times to where he's got the good in him but he answers to Jonas you know so as far as the story itself I'm just going to kind of run through the ba the basic plot here hit the hit the main points as the movie begins I mean we see Bill and his fiance therapist Melissa Reeves on their way to Oklahoma to meet with Joe to get the divorce papers signed and again, with her being a therapist, we get the joke from Joe of, she's a therapist? Oh, yours? <laughs> Which is a great line. He's like, oh yeah, you, you couldn't resist that. She's like, I, I'm not saying you needed therapy. I'm not saying that. So we get these things right off the bat to where we see Bill and Joe, that ended badly. You know, that did not end well. And it's And you also see, like when Bill shows up, like the rest of the team, just how they all perk up when they see Bill arrive to where you see how much they love Bill and how much they miss Bill being around. So when Bill gets there, he sees the reveal of Dorothy. And this was his invention that never came about, which was building a unit to where you could put a bunch of sensors in it and then leave it in the path of a tornado, allowing it to go up and collect data from inside the tornado. So before the papers get signed, the crew runs off to chase a storm, and Bill and Melissa are forced to follow after realizing the papers hadn't been signed. So they're thrown right back into this. The, we then get to see like the problem between Bill and another storm chaser, again, that I talked about by the name of Jonas. And... Bill tells Melissa in the truck about Jonas saying that, you know, we all started in the same lab, but that Jonas is in it for the money. He's not in it for the science. And he got himself some corporate sponsors. He's got, a, and he says he's got a lot of high tech gadgets, but he has no instincts and he doesn't have Dorothy. So during the downtime here, we see a news crew interviewing Jonas to where he reveals his own version of Dorothy to which we see Bill witness this, and he's livid. And, of course, Jonas had stolen Bill's idea of Dorothy, and when Bill sees this, he runs over to him. And I really like the moment of when the group is watching Bill listening to Jonas with a look of, uh-oh, this is going to be a problem. And they, they see that 
this is this is an issue and we'd better get a hold of him immediately because this is going to get ugly and Jonas continues his acts of villainry <laughs> if that's a word when he says uh your ideas were unrealized unrealized ideas also adding in that he really enjoys Bill's weather reports, to which involves another pull apart with the team having to pull Bill back from getting Jonas. So at this moment, he, he gives Joe one day and says, you know, I'm, I'm in for one day. If Dorothy fly, if she doesn't fly in one day, I'm out of here. So they take Joe's truck out, get in a tornado. The truck's destroyed. Joe's not one to not... Joe's not wanting to get safely under the bridge, which would continue to be foreshadowing of how obsessed she'd become with storms. Melissa getting her first trauma of storm chasing when Joe's truck lands right in front of her. Dusty saying, you just missed the truck, and that's awesome. Jonas being fashionably late again, missing it all, and Joe looking for another truck asking, you have full coverage on that truck, right? Liability only. Liability only. Don't even think about it. And, of course, they end up using Bill's truck from here. So the team arrives to visit Aunt Meg. And this is an awesome thing. I really enjoy this whole thing to where you just see how much she loves them and how much they all love her. And just the bond between all of them. It's like this group of chasers are like all kids to Aunt Meg. It's really cool. And I mean that, and that builds to what we see later on, you know, is how that ties on later. And uh, so we also we see the reunion of Aunt Meg and Bill. You know, when Bill arrives, she's so happy to see him. He's so happy to see her. And you just see how everything is just so great with Bill and everybody, you know, and that everything just went wrong between him and Joe. And you just see like the just the fallout on how it affected everybody to where they just miss each other, you know? And of course we get more, like I said earlier, we get more of the history of the extreme here with the stories of Bill chasing tornadoes. And we also get the reveal that Joe is still in love with Bill as Aunt Meg talks to her, talks to Joe. And we get an unsuccessful attempt for Dorothy as the gang leaves uh, Wakita. Joe has a meltdown in the moment to where Bill tries to get her to focus on what she has in front of her instead of just the chaos that has consumed her. And Melissa is, of course, hearing this on the radio. And the team takes a break at the drive-in movies for the night where a tornado just rips through the drive-in. The team hears that Wakita was hit head-on and they are ready to move when they all realize, oh no, Aunt Meg like this is she okay is she going to be okay we have to get there immediately and the team just leaves in a blur to try to get to aunt meg to make sure that she's okay so bill tells melissa what is going on but melissa reveals that she's leaving saying he still loves joe and encourages him to go after her instead and i'm sure melissa is probably going to have to go through all sorts of therapy on herself <laughs> for what all that she has been through in the last day because there was a lot that she went through just being because at first with the storms she was very into the storms like you know i think i'm going to hang around I think this is going to be kind of fun you know and then within you know the first chase you know where joe's truck lands in front of her 
she's done there and then she has all kinds of other situations that come up with storm chasing that just tortures her and uh then the realization that it's like oh her fiance is still completely hung up on <laughs> on his ex soon to be ex-wife you know so yeah it's complicated and she's sadly probably going to have to have therapy on herself <laughs> with all that she went through so they arrive back in Waukita where the town is just leveled, including Meg's house. They rush desperately into Meg's house, find her alive, but she's trapped. They get her out just in time before her house collapses. And you can just see the urgency on everybody just trying to get her out of there as quickly as possible. And Meg encourages Joe saying, look, I had no warning. I had no warning that this tornado was coming. It happened so fast. You can fix this go fix this. And Joe's like, I, I don't know how to fix this. And she said, I think you do. You've been doing this. You've been interested in this since you were a kid. You know, you go fix things. So while they're there, Bill figures out some things to do to make Dorothy fly as he's looking around at the wind equipment around at Meg's house. And he figures out that they can use some of that equipment to make Dorothy more aerodynamic. So we get to the main tornado chase of the movie. Jonas is out trying to beat everyone to it. Gets too close to it, to which Bill and Joe try to warn him, saying if this thing shifts track at all, you're in trouble and you need to get out of there. Even Jonas's driver is saying, maybe we should listen to them because they'd never put us in harm's way. You know, they're competitive with us, but they'd never put us in harm's way. And Jonas is like, nope. In supervillain form, nope. Keep, keep going the way we're going keep the trajectory, and it ends up getting them killed when the truck gets picked up and thrown into the tornado, to which Joe and Bill are furious over it, including Bill throwing the CB radio and uh, just saying, stupid, you know, that was so stupid. And so we get back to their part of the chase to where Dorothy 3 gets taken out by a tree before it can launch into the tornado. Dorothy 4 is sent into the tornado via cruise control and Bill's truck as they jump out of it at the last second. Truck is pulled up into the tornado and the team is getting data out of their ears, to be quoted. As they celebrate, things turn bad when the tornado turns, comes right back for them, on, and it's and on foot, Bill and Joe. Bill and Joe are on foot here outside of that truck, so they have to run to a nearby farm to where they find a way to attach themselves to an underground piping as the tornado goes right over top of them to where they are able to see inside of it, which is really cool. So it's like, it's this perfect moment of, you know, with everything that Joe has went through, you know, here they've been successful and now they're able to see inside this tornado as they look up. It's really, really cool moment. Of course, the team arrives to celebrate. Bill and Joe kiss and credits. So that is basically the summary of the movie. Just really, really awesome. So, I mean, some random movie facts. Let's talk some random movie facts here. Uh, the director, he talked of casting, saying that he wanted to cast... He wanted the cast to not be all big stars, and it was very important to him that they he wanted them to have a very believable look of that they could be scientists or obsessed students, is how he worded it. He defined them like as hip, but also crazy. That's what he was going for with them. 
uh, Paxton said the director asked him first thing, you know, when he was being cast, he said, asked him if he was up to the physical aspects of this shoot of this movie saying how physically demanding it was going to be. And it ended up being that because there's a lot of the cast that have talked about how physically brutal this movie was on themselves and the crew. There was with uh, several injuries. There were several injuries in the movie where, you know, people kind of got roughed up a little bit or a lot, you know, depending on who you, the stories you hear from different ones. And Bill Paxton, he actually said that, you know, when he was cast for this movie, that he actually went and studied storms and weather to make sure, he wanted to make sure he understood all the terminology of weather and make sure that he was getting everything right, saying everything right, and that he just understood it. So it was something that was really important to him that he wanted to make sure that he was doing everything right, you know. So with Who to Cast as Joe, the director said that there were a ton of female names that got put in front of him. And he said himself, he said, what about Helen Hunt? As he had her in mind. And he wanted this, he wanted Joe to be a very strong female character. And Paxton said he really enjoyed working with Helen Hunt a lot, adding in that uh, he felt like she had like a tomboy kind of personality to her, which really fit Joe and fit like just, just her all around, you know, and said that she was just really fun to work with. He said that he thought they had good chemistry together. And so Paxton, he described Bill, Joe and the chase team I liked how he described them, saying he thought that they were a bunch of thrill seekers, but also wanting to help and save people. I thought that was a very good description of them, because you definitely see both to where, yeah, they're thrill seekers and they're in this and they're so pumped and excited, but they want to help people. They want to save people. And that's what they're trying to do with studying this and trying to get Dorothy up into the tornado to where they can use this to try to get the warnings out there sooner, learn what makes these tornadoes form, what makes them strong, how to get advanced warning on to where they could know a tornado was forming and get warnings out earlier to help people. So I thought that was really interesting there. And so here's some, here's a fact that was very interesting and I understand the point of view on this. The original version of this movie was that Joe's dad was going to survive the tornado at the beginning. That was the original version of the movie. When Spielberg watched the movie, he said it would be a much better story if the dad was killed, which would build so much more of Joe's story. And that ended up really being the right call because I don't... I don't... If you... If the dad survives at the beginning of that movie, I don't think you you don't get the full dynamic of what has gotten Joe to this point, you know, to where she's become so obsessed with tornadoes and doing this. And you know what happened to her and her background that has made her get to this point. So that was a good call by Spielberg there because that definitely added more to the Joe story and to her character. 
So let's talk about how this movie was shot. I thought there was a lot of interesting details that have come out over the years, you know, with through the documentaries and everything about, you know, what was real, what was CGI, how they went about it, just the just the amount of work that went in to make some of these incredible scenes work out. And of course it was shot all over various locations in Oklahoma. Uh, the drive-in scene, that was a real drive-in in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I always thought that was a cool location. It just looks so laid back there. You know, it's, it had the cute girl at the window. It was like, can we have eight coffees? Like, eight? Yep. But I always thought that was just a cool location. I think that would be a fun uh, twister, like, set location to visit. And I'd be curious to see how that all looks around there, if it's exactly as it appeared in the movie or if any of that was multi-location i don't i think it was all one location if i'm if i've heard right you know so the movie itself it was shot in the middle of storm season uh the weather during filming it was very back and forth they had moments to where the weather could get back to where it's mirroring with what they were filming you know to where they would get into severe storms and other times they would have blue sky and they would have to shoot these scenes with blue sky and then use post-editing to recreate the sky looking bad and dark instead of blue, which was pretty incredible. And like one one scene that uh, they had is, uh, you know, the scene to where that's where everything goes bad with Joe and Bill to where she just has her meltdown, Dorothy crashes, and they're getting pelted with all the hell. And the sky is actually completely blue that day. If you watch some of these behind-the-scenes documentaries, they'll show you the shot. The sky is completely blue that day. And the post-editing has it looking just like one of the most evil-looking weather days <laughs> of all time. So it's pretty amazing to uh, what they can do. You know, And they would have moments where the production would have to shut down due to the weather and they'd have to pull their production equipment down because of a tornado warning, like within five minutes of their location. You know, if they got that close, safety restrictions would make them pull all their equipment down. And there was a lot of work that went into shooting a lot of scenes and they talked of needing something strong wind-wise. So they got engines off of a 707 plane to use, which is amazing to think about. And the scenes with the hail coming down on Bill's truck, they actually had a line of vehicles to where the lead vehicle was the water truck, and it had 4,000 gallons of water. The second truck was the camera truck, where you had all the cameras on it getting the shots. The third truck was the one, it was the ice truck that was responsible for the ice. To recreate the hail, what they did, the crew got 300 blocks of ice and used an ice crusher that they said was usually used for snow, and they turned it into the chunks of ice. They would then put milk in the ice to make it look whiter. So this third truck would fire the ice into the air for, you know, at the others to where they could fire it at the truck at the, you know, the main truck, the movie truck, and then, uh, of course, the camera trucks would uh, capture it. And the actors and the crew talk about how brutal this was because they said the chunks of ice hurt pretty bad, especially if they hit you wrong. Because, I mean, these are chunks of ice that are flying. 
you know, off of these fans and everything. It's pretty amazing. And so the scene that's another famous scene is the tanker explosion scene to where toward the end of the movie, you see the tanker come out of the tornado. And they said the tanker explosion was real, but it also had some CGI moments. The tanker truck explosion itself was real when it was dropped from a crane. It had a crane that they dropped the tanker truck from, and it was filled with about a thousand gallons of gas in it. So the truck itself was made of like lightweight aluminum. And they said actually a week later, not only did they do one explosion, a week later they did it again with another truck to get some more shots. And as far as the moment, like with the truck rolling toward them, that was done with CGI. They said that there just wasn't a way to make that work to where they could angle it and do it for real. So that was something that was done CGI. The city of Waukeda, which you see, you know, destroyed, this was a lot of like old abandoned buildings on the end of Waukeda to where they fixed up, fixed everything up to make it, you know, look, look great, you know, and make it just look like just a really great looking town, you know, and everything from these abandoned buildings, they fixed everything up. And so what they did, they basically built this part of Wakita up and then they destroyed it and to where they could take it from one extreme to the other. And they said it was pretty amazing with how they did it. And they did to to make it look destroyed, you know, to make it like accurate. They said that they really based a lot of this off of studying photographs of a lot of tornado disasters because they wanted to make it look as accurate as possible. And they on the one of the documentaries, they said some of the residents of Waukeda were kind of even in awe when they would come up to that set and look at that with uh, that tornado destruction and that you could see it in like the eyes of some of the residents to where they were like, Oh wow, this is really what it would look like if this happened to us here in Wakita, you know, and the actual inside house footage of, you know, where Meg's trapped in the house, the actual inside footage to where they're pulling that out, pulling her out was that was done in a soundstage in Norman, Oklahoma is to where they did that scene as far as the inside. The outside is legit. The outside is an actual house that you can go visit. I've seen footage of it to where some of the people are, you know, touring some of the Twister uh, movie sets and movie location, movie set locations. Let me rephrase that. Um, and one of the places is Meg's house. I think that would be really cool to see. The final scene with Bill and Joe was there was a lot of work that went into making that work to where they attached them like to a rig and they attached a camera to it to where when they spin they would spin this rig around and they would be upside down with a fan blowing on them and it was just a visual effect to where they could make that look as awesome as it did in that movie. It's pretty impressive when you see the behind the scenes of how they did it. It's really hard to even describe on how they did it. It's really cool. And of course, like the cow scene, that's something that is really, really talked about in uh, 
that people just get a, a lot of laughs, you know, where the cow goes across the screen and like a cow. Oh, another cow. Like, actually, I think that's the same cow, you know, where the tornado is just blowing this cow across the area. And they said that this, the idea of this was based off of stories that were told by farmers to where they where they would get hit by a tornado only to learn that their cattle was found alive like 20 miles away. Basically, the tornado picked up their cattle and then would just pick them up and then just drop them back off 20 miles later and they're fine. That there were stories of that and they uh, they put that in the movie, you know, and, uh, and of course the cow wasn't real, obviously, duh. <laughs> not, not real, that was... And they talked about one of the documentaries, how they did it, you know, to where they're they're having to react to something that's going to be done later, where they're having to make sure that they're all moving their heads in the truck in the same direction at the same time, to where they're all looking at the same way, to where they can add that in later. And, and uh, yeah, just a scene that's very memorable, probably one of the most memorable scenes from a lot of people. That's probably the one that gets quoted the most. Um Sound effects, the director talked about like the sound effects of the tornadoes, saying that he wanted every tornado in the movie to have a different sound than the other. That was something that was very important to him. He wanted it to sound like the tornado was talking to the characters. That was something that was very important to him. He wanted them all to sound different than the others. And, you know, again, I talked about, like, with my surround sound, just how incredible those scenes would sound with that. So, I mean, let's talk Twister soundtrack. Of course, that was released the same year. Um, I love a good combo of an awesome movie and an awesome soundtrack. You know, that's a throwback to a lot of eras of movies to where you have... Just an awesome soundtrack to go with an awesome movie. And there's times where in movies past that the soundtrack's a lot bigger than the movie. <laughs> how many how many soundtracks do we know to where a movie just completely flopped, but the soundtrack is just a massive hit? You know, that's happened multiple times. And I love the Twister soundtrack that went with this movie. Uh, of course, it featured Van Halen, Goo Goo Dolls, Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories, Allison Krauss, Tori Amos, Soul Asylum, Belly, and more. You know, of course, for me, Van Halen, well, actually, there's three songs on this that's the highlights for me, and two of them are Van Halen. And Van Halen was asked to do two songs for the movie, and this ended up being Humans Being and Respect the Wind, which was... Just Respect the Wind was a guitar solo that was just incredible. Uh, talk about humans being first. Uh, my favorite scene of the movie is them heading toward the storm with humans being playing in the background. And the video editing person in me loves the shot of them taking that shot in the edit of them going, taking that camera over the hill showing the team right as the chorus hits on that song. It's awesome. Like the video editing person in me just loves that. It's awesome. Good timing. And uh, we get a lot in the scene. It's just an adrenaline rush scene with that song playing. 
and you know where it's like the lines headed toward the storm and then we get that tension going on that there's still something there between joe and bill the funny moment of rabbit leading them to the highway where's the highway beyond the brush what's beyond that (laughs) beyond what the bearded lady what oh it's the highway the highway where's the road rabbit should be right there and they almost plow right into Jonas and his crew. It's a pretty awesome scene to where they plow out of that cornfield and almost right into Jonas's line of vehicles. It's a, it's a pretty awesome scene. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I really like that a lot. And of course, there was a music video. Van Halen made a music video. It's a human's being. Uh, definitely has the Twister theme look to it with uh, you know the background. Behind Van Halen, look Van Halen, excuse me, being very stormy looking, you know, so it's very, very cool. My other favorite song on this soundtrack is Long Way Down by Goo Goo Dolls. I love that song. Long Way Down, Humans Being, two of my favorite songs of all time. And when I hear them, I think of this movie. Respect the Wind, again, that was the Eddie Van Halen guitar solo. And just incredible. I mean, you talk about movies to where you need to stick around for the credits. You need to watch the credits. This is one you have to watch the credits. That song playing with just the awesome like weather scenery is one of my favorite credit roles of all time. And that song is just incredible. Like, just pure talent. It's something that is very well remembered with uh, with this movie. And I've, I've heard that song so many times and that reference so many times. I just love that. I mean, if, if, you, uh, if you've never seen this movie or just want to watch it again, stick for the credit roll because it's awesome. It's very, very cool. So, I mean, as far as like, uh, you know, post-movie, of course, we've had two... Two of the main cast pass away, which is sad to hear. Of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman passed in February of 2014 at the age of 46. Bill Paxton passed away in February of 2017, age of 61. I just it's just so sad to to lose both of them. And actually, after Bill Paxton's passing, there was a group of storm chasers that were part of the spotter network to where they went to all different locations because on the spotter network you would see like a dot on the screen where you could see their location when they're out storm chasing you know where they're set up at and that day they all went to different locations and the way that they positioned themselves on their spotter map spelled out Bill Paxton's initials and it spread across Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. Just a very, very cool thing. And that's something that, you know, with with their passing, it was just like, man, if we ever get anything else from this movie, it's just not going to be right or fair, you know, without either of them involved. You know, that's it's going to hurt to not see either of them you know and i talk about storm chasers this movie inspired a lot of storm chasers there are a lot of people that 
either got into storm chasing because of this movie or that it ramped up their storm chasing desires even more. You know, I follow Reed Timmer on uh, his social medias and I watched him on uh, Storm Chasers uh, show back on uh, Discovery years ago and I've kept up with him ever since. He's had a lot of different projects that he's been into. He goes live chasing storms often. On uh, the 25th anniversary of the movie, he went on his social media, and I'm going to read what he had to say. He said, 25 years ago today, the best movie of all time debuted in theaters. I had just gotten my driver's license and already had a few chases under the belt. This movie helped ramp up the passion for the chase for a whole generation. I'm excited for the next one, Never Stop Chasing. And of course, Never Stop Chasing is... uh, Definitely one of Reed's uh, lines that you see a lot with uh, what he posts. But I know for me, it's like I've always been somebody that's been very interested in weather and storms. And and uh, when there's a storm coming up, it's like I'm, I don't go chase. I don't do that. But doesn't mean I haven't before. I, it, I, well, I haven't before, but I will. I have occasionally been known to where if there's something that looks cool... Storm-wise, I'd take off and at least get kind of in the distance where I can see on the horizon and get some cool pictures or something like that. But, you know, most of the time if I'm at home, and well, all the time, if I'm at home and there's a storm coming to where I think that might be a cool visual, I will always set a camera outside and just set it on a tripod and record it coming over. That's what I will do every single time that there's a storm coming up that looks strong or severe and try to capture it you know whether it's video pictures i am outside and i'm sure and it's something i did before somewhat you know before this movie but but i know this movie probably even sparked that up even more for me you know to where I do that more, you know, where it just piqued my interest even more in doing that kind of thing and trying to capture some really cool pictures and videos of just, you know, just these crazy events of what weather can do. I've captured some just crazy shots of like clouds, you know, going multiple directions and time lapse in them. And it's, it's pretty incredible, just like shelf clouds coming over, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what you can capture. So, and these storm chasers that are out there now, they have done so much. You know, you talk about like what the goal in this movie was for that team to where they wanted to be able to help people and advance like what they know about tornadoes. These are what these storm chasers do every day. You know, it's like, is there an adrenaline rush for it? Of course, they love doing it. But there's, you know, they they want to they want to help. They want to help advance, and they have. You know, there's stuff that Reed has done has just been incredible. To where some of the technology that he's uh, been able to fire up into tornadoes to study those things, him and just so many, it's amazing to what they have done to where they want to advance this technology and study these things and be able to help study what makes these things form and get warnings out sooner. And I mean, you see now, like, think how far technology has evolved now to where 
you know, it's not even, think about years ago, it used to be there was a tornado warning for visual when you saw a tornado warning. Now you get tornado warnings for radar indicated, you know, and things like that. So what these storm chasers have done, you know, to, uh, to help further, like, the safety side to try to help people is amazing. And, I mean, and then, of course, there's the danger element, too. I mean, there's, there's been tragedies, you know, in that community as well, you know, of people that just got too close to storms, you know, and, and it got them. And these are people that know what they're doing. And it shows just the, the scary part of storm chasing to where even though you know what you're doing, you know you've studied these things, you know them, and it can still turn so quickly on you. It's what they do is, you know, they risk their lives a lot of times out there. And, but the, what they've been able to do technology-wise has been incredible to advance, you know, the ways to get these warnings out quicker and to be able to know what makes these tornadoes form. So, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing what they do. So I know this movie had quite the effect on, you know, the storm chasing community. And here's a, here's a fun fact too. And I've researched this trying to make sure that this is right. But Twister was the, also one of the first Hollywood feature films to ever be released on the new at the time format called DVD which was from Warner Brothers, of course. It was from Warner Brothers, releasing in March of 1997. And I kept trying to research this and trying to make sure, it's like, was it actually the first DVD? And the only thing that I have found that takes away from the first ever feature film is that Warner Brothers released like a slate of releases on DVD on the same day and Twister was one of them but everything I have seen is that Twister is referred to as the first Hollywood feature film to be released on DVD and I mean I remember it at the time when it was released on DVD and just uh, I remember when the DVD format came out and I just saw that Twister was one of them, I was like, well, how cool is that? That that's one of the movies released and how cool, you know, that that would look and sound on DVD. And here's a strange twist as well. Twister was also one of the last movies to be released on the HD DVD format. This was the high definition DVD format war that was going on between HD DVD and Blu-ray. HD DVD, of course, fell. It uh, ended up not being able to compete. It's basically like the new version of Betamax and VHS. You know, Betamax fell to the side and VHS went. So we had HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Blu-ray took off, left the other one, you know, obsolete and sitting back there. And in a strange twist, Twister was the first DVD and it was one of the last movies to be released on HD DVD. I thought that was really kind of a cool fact. So, yeah, there's a lot of just 
a lot of facts and a lot of things that have come from this movie, you know, now celebrating 25 years, which is just crazy to uh, think about. And I mean, to summarize on this movie, I liked what Helen Hunt had to say with her take on the movie. She said, it's in the eye of the beholder of either, you know, the tornado is either the monster that is coming to get you or a force of nature to be listened to and is fascinating. And with this movie, it's both. I thought that was really a perfect summary of that movie. So yeah, I just wanted to spend this podcast episode just talking about, you know, just a movie that has just meant so much to me over the years and just a movie that I've loved from the first time that I saw it. It just has such such a great everything to it. Comedy, action, you know, drama, cast, crew. It's just music again with soundtrack. It's it's just such a great movie. It has it has everything in it. There's something for everyone in this movie. And I mean, I've seen other tornado movies. I, there was one I watched lately. I can't remember the name of it. And I watched it like, you know, it's like I went into it with like, uh, I don't know if I'm, it's because immediately you're like, oh, you're going to have to compare this to Twister, you know. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, you know. So I wasn't really into it. After I got done watching, I was like, yeah, it's okay. You know, but everything is going to compare to Twister. That's just how it's going to be. And it's just crazy to think that this movie is 25 years old. May 10th, 1996, you know, was the was the opener of this movie. So, hope you enjoyed this uh, look back at uh, Twister and this uh, celebration of 25 years of one of my favorite movies of all time. So that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Have a great week. And remember, never stop chasing. Have a great week. Thank you.